0: Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And I accidentally cut to Alana first. Miss Alana (laughs) Pierce is back on the show. Hello.
1: You guys did it. So I was wondering if I had to like join in on that. (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm
2: glad you did the thing.
0: Nailed it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming back. It's so great to see you um, in a post. IGN world, you're a free agent now. How exciting is that? It's
1: cool. Like, I've been doing Let's Plays and streams and all this stuff that I wasn't, like, contractually allowed to do, and I kind of forgot how much I missed doing that stuff. It's like, it's a, it's a lot of fun to be able to kind of freely create stuff again, but, yeah, I always need to clarify, I am starting a new job. I'm just in this weird loo period right now where I'm waiting on a visa, but um, I'll still be allowed to do all that stuff when I start my new job. So it's, it's, it's been fun. Sad, but fun. So if
0: people want to watch you stream, where can they find your streams at? So right now I'm swimming, streaming swimming
1: on uh, <laughs> youtube.com slash charlanazade and also on Mixer. I really wanted to try out Mixer as a platform because I like a lot of their services, but I'm still like kind of trying to get a feel for it. But that's just mixer.com slash charlanazade as well, which was, which is my name in the middle of Charizard. Um, but the community has been really, really cool and I'm... I don't know, interested to see how the landscape of streaming changes and like where people gravitate towards because I know a lot of people on Facebook and then there's people on Twitch. And it's just this huge, interesting divide that as someone who has effectively just started streaming now because I wasn't able to for three years while working at IGN, it's like, what am I doing here? Like, what am I supposed to do? So it's kind of hard to navigate. But yeah, definitely having fun with it.
0: Well, that's cool. And we'll be sure to put those links down in the description you. for you guys if you want to check out her channel and pop in there and say hello in the chat. Um, I totally understand what you mean when you say, like, what do I do with this? Because I also was really late to the streaming game, mm-hmm. despite the fact that I've been working in video games for so long and every outlet I've ever worked at has streamed. I mm-hmm. never really got into doing it solo. I think of the three of us, Stimer, you're the only one who really, like, Streamed like mm-hmm. with with meaning, <laughs> with meaning, with gusto. Yes, <laughs> yes, I
2: did. Samer, your voice is sounding uh, particularly sexy this evening.
3: Oh, hey, girl, what's going on? Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I should do the Bat Dad streams when my voice is like this, but I have to. I can't do them.
1: Just play through the Occam games.
3: No, so I've I've been playing um, Dream Daddy. Oh and yeah, I made. My character, Bruce Wayne, a hipster Bruce Wayne. So Excellent. I call him Bat Dad, and anytime he speaks, I do the Batman voice. I'm on board. Very yeah. on board. This is he's very good.
2: Super committed. And actually, we romanced each other. Well, you romanced me. Somehow. I romanced the male version, male of, version of, of Brittany. Who is like game. an alcoholic whiskey drinker, something or another. I don't know. Yeah,
3: he's like the rough and tumble guy. And if yeah. you sleep with games. him, you can't. Romance him So I slept with her But alas It was not meant to be No Can you like Because
1: I I never got Very far through that game I should actually play that But can you like Cheat on people Like you can romance Multiple dads
3: I think you can try I actually don't know Keeping it loyal To Brittany Well I haven't No Because Brittany's done (laughs) Oh Because She was
2: was too easy for me There was no more Allure to her Because she just Threw herself at me And I was like pretty true.
3: Like, wow fine. there's yeah. no more there there's no more love for her to me it's complicated she, yeah yeah
2: it's complicated it's like real <laughs> life that's good games video game podcast ladies and gentlemen
1: <laughs> it is a video game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah you just is. happen to date dads
3: <laughs> what's well, weird about that Nothing at all. all right <laughs> i was just sitting, letting you guys andrea's, go on I'm like andrea's sitting quietly waiting
0: no, I, I, w- I was just uh, intently listening. I've been told that I need to work on my listening skills, mostly by my husband. <laughs> um so- <laughs> <laughs> So, so oh working God. on my. You would think after over a decade of interviewing people that I would have like razor sharp listening skills. No, but I think it's the opposite because when you're
1: interviewing people, sometimes they'll give an answer, and I will not be listening to the answer because I'm thinking about my next question. I would argue that interviewing people for a decade means that you are a worse listener because you like the, the answer isn't for you; it's for the audience watching, right? For the most part. So then you're asking another question, and you're just thinking about what the next question is all the time. So you just kind of tune them out sometimes. It's like. That's why you're a bad True. listener. Take that to him. Here you go. Is
2: that is that why Andrea's off? Like, yeah, that's great. Okay, moving on. I'm like, uh,
0: uh, uh. <laughs> literally, it really is. Yeah. She got a shiner. I, I like around. to blame it on the uh, internet lag every once in a while, but let's be real. It's because I'm focused on what's next. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's fair it. though. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, thank you for that segue, Brittany. This, of course, is what's good games. Your source for video game commentary analysis and funny stuff. Welcome to the show. If this is your first time joining, we recently had some people reach out to us um, on both on Patreon and on our Facebook group saying that they just discovered the what's good games podcast. So if you're new, thanks for, thanks for joining us and we hope that you enjoy the show. If you do, If you want to hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app, we would definitely appreciate that. If you want to go one step further, maybe leave a review, we'd appreciate that too. Or you can pop on over to YouTube.com slash What's Good Games and hit subscribe there and maybe hit the like button. The kids are saying these days, smash that bell for notifications for whenever we upload a new video. Um, That's a new thing, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to be hip with the times and what the kids are saying on the internet. Yeah, you nailed it. Um, Regardless of how you get involved, we appreciate you being here and are thankful that you're here. And we had a fantastic happy hour Q&A earlier this week with all of our patrons. Uh, Everybody who's on our Patreon can get in on the happy hour Q&A, which happens once a month. Once a month. That's Patreon, patreon.com slash what's good games. Man, I was on a roll there up until a second. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get into the news, uh, I want to let you guys know we have two sponsors on the show this week. We've got Quip and Bespoke Post. And I'm going to tell you about that in just a second. But before I do, Miss Brittany, we are going to be going to Texas.
2: Oi, mate. No, that's what? not Texas. Me, me too. What?
1: It's not at all Texas.
2: <laughs> this is my problem. This my go to like my go to saying for anywhere is oy mate, and that doesn't really apply
1: to Texas. Um, That's really only if you're Texas going accent. to Australia. Just no nowhere uh, else. Yeehaw!
2: yeehaw.
0: How y'all? Well, We're howdy
1: y'all? That. We're going out deep, out here into into Texas. It doesn't look like anything to me.
2: Fried corn dogs. So <laughs> I actually was just in Austin a few days ago. Um, I was just 45 minutes away. I went to New Braunfels, Texas. For uh, Schlitterbahn, the, the water park, and I found Austin is only forty-five minutes away. So we all of the- those
1: sound like made-up words.
0: Yes, I promise. We're you, definitely going to not- be talking <laughs> <laughs> about the water park. So just hold it for a second. But we want to talk about before we do water or uh, uh, before we do water park, though. We got to talk about the real reason we brought. Texas and I up. said,
2: yeah, because I was. It myself. was for the water park, right? It was, <laughs> yes. this. obviously. Yeah. I was, I was, I was working my really my, my Brit way there. So we stopped in Austin. And I was like, cool, I'm going to be here in a few weeks for RTX. It's going to be awesome. We have a meetup on Friday, August 3rd. We are still ironing out those details, but it will be a thing that happens and it will be a good time. We have a panel from 1230 to 30 at the convention center, meeting room 18. And then we have an autograph signing at 930 in the morning on Sunday. And we... Wait, will... is our panel on Saturday or Friday? Our panel is on Saturday. Okay, you didn't say the day, so that's why. I, was... I just... Thank you, Summer. Panel on Saturday, autograph session on Sunday... Crack of dawn, nine thirty is really not that early, but I have a feeling it's going to be an early morning. On for a us.
0: Sunday, it's definitely early. I'm just going to wear sunglasses, sunglasses meet and greet on Friday. Inside. Lots of we'll concealer and sunglasses. Hide my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Hello,
2: nice to meet you. If we have orange yep. juice with us, they're mimosas.
0: <laughs> it's going to happen for sure. I'm, even if it's illegal in the convention center, I'm going to bootleg it in. Um, but Friday is my happy birthday, happy hour meet and greet. So we are going to get those details to you guys. As soon as I finalize them, I'm still, like, narrowing down the venue and the exact timing. But uh, we hope that you guys, if you are in Austin, whether or not you have an RTX ticket, because it will be at a bar somewhere. You do need to be 21 plus, but uh, hopefully you'll be able to come out and keep an eye out. I know we're rapidly approaching, so uh, we will figure out a location. Is it your birthday, Andrea? Uh, on Wednesday is huh. my birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, August 1st.
1: I feel like, like, I've been to RTX every single year since I moved. I'm going this year as well. Um, I even went to RTX Sydney one year, but it's like, it's such a fun convention when it's in Austin because everything is open so late in Austin and all the bars there are really cool. And the only downside is it's so hot this time of year that you get pretty sweaty. So bring a lot of water if you're going to RTX, but otherwise, yeah, it's, it's tons of fun. Like everyone's so happy and excited to be there. It's such a cool place to be, cool, cool place to celebrate a birthday as well.
0: Yeah. It'll be fun. Well, I'm going to LA for a, a wedding this weekend and then I'm home for two nights before going to, uh, before going to Austin. And, uh, John, the sweetheart that he is, was like, what if I just like fly you to Vegas for the day? Cause he's going to be in Vegas for some work meetings. So he can't be with me at my birthday. And he's like, what if I just like f- fly you fl- first class and what? I'll set you up at the spa and I'll take you to a fancy dinner. And I was like, this sounds amazing. But you know what doesn't sound amazing? Having to fly back from Vegas at 6 a.m. to meet, make my flight to Austin the next morning. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, as much as I love you and I love this spontaneous idea, I'm going to stay home. I am going to the spa, but in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, and I think I'm going to meet up with our friend, uh, Miss Alexa Wright, who I haven't seen Yay! since E3. Oh, cool. So, uh, so we'll see. But Brittany. Yo. I want to hear about the Schlitterbahn.
2: Schlitterbahn.
0: Um,
2: Schlitterbahn. Actually, it's rewinding a bit. That's funny because Jason also wanted to go to Vegas this weekend for a concert, and I'm like, I'm sorry, dude, I can't. I can't do Vegas right now. Like, this is one of those things. Anyway, so Schlitterbahn. <laughs> uh, so Schlitterbahn. So the way, the reason we even found this place is because we love doing lazy rivers, and we're like, what's one of the coolest lazy rivers in the U.S.? And then Schlitterbahn came up. And what's like, a lazy right. river? A lazy river. It's essentially think of like you get an inner tube you sit in a slow moving body of water aka a river and you mm-hmm. just kind of like it's like a giant
0: circle yeah like a giant track. circle
2: yeah, yeah yeah and you okay if you do this outside of a water park you can like have drinks and just bring yeah. a cooler with you they have really those in friend.
1: australia but it's definitely okay. a different name i think it might be a donut i think they may just call them donuts <laughs> that's you know, awesome. Like, a little bit confusing like but
2: then <laughs> you eat okay. a donut while you're in a
3: donut probably Yeah, Yeah. why not?
2: Okay, so I'm going to start using donuts. So we were like, okay, we got to find some good donuts. So we found the Leisure River in (laughs) Schlitterbahn and then found out it's one of the top-rated water parks in the world. And so we decided to go very last minute, just maybe like four or five days in advance, and off we went. And it was hot. It was like 105. But, you know, we rented a cabana, and there was a lot. We got an hour early access to the park if you stayed at the on-site resort. And we did all the cool slides and all the cool rivers, and it was fun. They had one that was felt like Dragon's Revenge and it was castle themed and so you got to like, walk through this little mini castle and then you got to like ride this nice. ride and there was like fog and shit. It was awesome.
1: Damn. Was you just changed my life because I'm in Austin all the time because my boyfriend lives there so I go there all the time and I had no idea that exists. That sounds like the coolest thing ever. If it's only 45 minutes out, that's the yeah. best. Yeah. That's so great. Fun. I want New to go Barnville's. to Schlitterbahn? Schlitterbahn. Schlitterbahn. Schlitterbahn.
2: Schlitterbahn.
0: Schlitterbahn.
1: That's my yeah. favorite German metal band.
0: <laughs>
1: Schlitterbahn.
0: Schlitterbahn. <I> th- <laughs> du hast <laughs> du- du- That's exactly what it sounds like too. Um well that sounds awesome, Britt. I'm glad that you had a fantastic time in Texas and I love that you guys do spontaneous trips like that. Uh we keep talking about doing a what's good trip at some point. We'll figure it out eventually. <laughs> um but I figure since we're now a little bit deep into the show, we should probably start talking about some video games. We got uh, a a relatively light news week, but we do have some fun hands-on and then some of your Dear WGG questions later on in the show. But for now, I want to let you guys know that thank you to our sponsor, Quip. You can listen to What's Good Games for free or you can watch it on YouTube 100% free as well. So we've talked about Quip on the show before and I have been using my Quip toothbrush what was interesting about first getting my quip toothbrush is that they put this little like packet of information inside and their whole goal is to educate people about the proper way to brush your teeth because so many people don't brush their teeth the right way they brush it too hard they make their gums bleed or they don't brush enough and one of the stats that i thought was really crazy was up to 50 percent of people only brush their teeth once a day and i was like whoa that's a lot of people. Is that because you're brushing your teeth just isn't fun? I guess if you had like a boring manual toothbrush, maybe it would be. But guess what? Quip is here to make brushing your teeth fun again. Like when you used to have like a little cartoon toothbrush as a kid. That was fun. So yeah. Quip Quip comes in a bunch of different colors. Uh, you can get it in plastic or metal. I have a silver one. steimer has got a copper one. Brit, what color did you get? I also have Silver. I know. It's very sleek. I just took it down with me to Comic-Con because what's great about Quip is that it uses one tiny little AAA battery. No cords, no wires, so it's really easy to travel with. Or it's really convenient just to keep on your counter because it's got an adhesive strip that you can go stick right to the mirror. I did that in in the bathroom at the Marriott, the one right next to the San Diego Convention Center. Work like a charm. I never lost my toothbrush. It was great. Um, and they have partnered up with us to give you guys a special offer. And that offer is a free refill pack. If you go to getquip.com slash what's good, you can get your first refill pack for free. And your quip packages start at just $25 called the best electric toothbrush by GQ and the Tesla of toothbrushes by Bloomberg. Once you have a Quip in your hands, your mouth is going to feel so much cleaner. And one of my favorite parts about the the Quip that I want to let you guys know is the tooth or the tongue cleaner on the back of it. Um, you can buy a separate tool for this, but with Quip, you can just flip it over and scrape your tongue. That's the secret to keeping your breath fresh. Yeah. If you guys don't currently scrape your tongue when you brush your teeth, you're, like, missing a vital step of the oral hygiene process.
1: You're also supposed to do it to, like a- – the inside of your mouth, like the actual sides of your mouth, but I find it really ticklish. <laughs> so I'll do it and just be like, oh, oh, oh great time. <laughs> it just kind of bothers me a lot.
0: It's amazing. Well, maybe you only do that every once in a while, I guess. So I guess that's what mouthwash is supposed to be for, mm-hmm. but I can't be bothered with mouthwash. It hurts my mouth. Um, but Quip doesn't because its bristles are super soft. So if you're going to get your electric toothbrush with your free refill pack you got to go to getquip.com slash what's good that's g-e-t-q-i-p dot com slash what's good for your first free refill pack getquip.com slash what's good all right on to the news uh, so this first one is not really hard news it's more of a rumor but i thought it would be fun to talk about since it involves <laughs> new hardware and Man, oh man, did I do a bazillion and one Xbox 720 stories back in the day. So uh, this write-up comes from Game Informer, Microsoft's next console to come in local hardware and cloud variations in 2020. So we know that at E3, Xbox chief Phil Spencer made a surprising admission that work on the next-gen consoles had already begun and even let the plural devices slip when talking about what the next generation of Xbox codename Scarlett what might look like. According to a report from tech site Threat, that blurry picture is starting to come into focus with Microsoft planning to make a traditional console as well as a more capable streaming box as a cheaper option. First, Thurit reports, Microsoft is indeed going to release a traditional console as they have always done. This means a singular box with up-to-date hardware inside to play games locally. It is unknown exactly what hardware it will contain, and the hardware seems to be early, but one would expect a generational leap over the Xbox One. Surprise. <laughs> they're going to take a generational leap of the Xbox. It's going to get better. (laughs) I know, right? So where it gets interesting is that the second device is rumored to also be in the works. Now, this box is a fairly hardware light, mostly for accepting controller inputs, displaying an image to the screen, and collision detection according to Thera. That means it's not just a streaming box as we know it, but one that offloads some computational ability to the local hardware. Now, it is pointed out in the report that this makes the Xbox Light a bit more expensive than you would think, but still a lot cheaper than a traditional Console. Now, the idea is for Microsoft, of course, to le- uh, leverage their bank of Azure servers, which we'll talk about in just a second. And, of course, you know, we are seeing lots of different publishers transitioning to digital distribution. Not only do we have um, EA Access, we have uh, Origin Access Premier, we've got PlayStation Now, obviously Xbox Game Pass, Uh, A lot of publishers are kind of seeing the trend that digital is becoming a thing. Upwards of 50% or more of new game releases are digital releases, which is kind of wild to think about. So, of course, it would make sense that a hardware maker would want to get in on the action. And we also know that Google is working on something strikingly similar if these rumors coincide the way that i think they do um there is a lot more to read about the details from third if you guys want to check out the article over on game informer or just go directly to third if you want the hard details but uh ladies what do you what do you think you excited for xbox one two no uh,
1: (laughs) xbox 12 this this pretty much doesn't surprise me at all um we had a few publishers at e3 this year talk about streaming services as well. Like Ubisoft brought up something like that as well. And it's a thing that I think the industry is undoubtedly heading towards. Like I, I imagine it's quite soon that we get uh, consoles that don't even have disc drives and, I was always a huge collector of games, and I always wanted to own games physically. But now, because of the convenience, I mostly buy games digitally as well. And it's kind of scary, because it does mean that you can lose them. And we do have some uh, organizations that work on archiving games and making sure we can keep them. But for the most part, I think this is like really unsurprising and makes sense. I just hope they market it correctly. I think like even the original <laughs> Xbox One announcement was something that was like, well, they were thinking about cloud-based stuff. They were thinking about... You know, it being always online was not something that's that surprising. Like, you have to be online to watch Netflix. It's just that they were kind of... They marketed it poorly, and I think they were a little bit ahead of what people wanted. Whereas now, that announcement wouldn't have been that weird. So, it's like, how do they present that information, and what are the restrictions? But it's, yeah, ultimately not surprising to me at all.
3: It makes I'm sense. I'm glad that they are keeping a more traditional console, though. Yeah. like, there's just so many places that don't have good enough internet to have a streaming console. Mm-hmm. Hell, my... I don't think my place... I live in Los Angeles. I don't even think I could have a streaming-only console. just don't think it would work all the time. Um, but I do tend to buy things digitally like you now and just but download them to the thing. Mm-hmm. That I'm okay
0: with.
2: That's so a good I point, would, Simer. Yeah. Albie, or Burto he goes by both handles, a dear WGG patron, has a question for us. That's what'sgoodgames.com slash dear WGG. Are we starting to see the beginnings of a move to a more of a cloud-based gaming reality from a manufacturer standpoint? And certainly makes sense since these consoles can be developed at a lower price tag. Do you think consoles as we know them will exist in a limited capacity as streaming games tries to become the norm? So yeah, like you said, Simon, this kind of ties into obviously like the streaming boxes can be manufactured at a lower price tag, which is a good thing, but we are fortunate to be. I think in an area, well, I am anywhere where my internet is good enough where I can stream things with ease. But that's obviously not the case for everyone worldwide. So I can't see a future in the near future where they can just make these lower price tags consoles
1: it it wouldn't work in australia you know like there are loads of like even first world countries where it wouldn't work you wouldn't be able to do it in australia you wouldn't be able to do it in loads of parts of the u.s like there are plenty of occasions where it wouldn't work but i do see a future that ends up that way and i don't even think the lower price tag is really the reason for it like a lot of the time hardware manufacturers aren't making profit off of the hardware, they're making profit off of the service. So the idea is like a streaming service is much easier to sell than it is necessarily a box, or rather it's much easier to retain customers. So if the idea is like you're selling this box as comes free with Game Pass for however many months and you get access to this many games that you can immediately stream. I think that's the part that makes a kind of streaming box appealing is that you are selling a service rather than selling a hardware and that gives you customer loyalty and that's people who are willing to continuously spend money on updating those things that they're already streaming. And I think it's just probably like an easier source for ongoing revenue for the industry. And I don't know how I feel about it because I like playing stuff sometimes completely offline um and i i don't you know it's it is annoying to have to worry about the internet being down but we we're in a future where that even if you think about compared to five years ago like your internet goes down so it's so much more rarely than it used to like it's i think we don't realize those steps because they feel like they're happening in tiny iterations but it's it's just so much better than it used to be and i feel like 10 years from now i can totally see it being full-time thing
0: I definitely agree with you that it's better than it used to be, but we also live in, like, major metropolitan areas. As somebody who's from North Dakota, and I have lots of people that I know that live in more rural areas, and the best internet bandwidth they can get is maybe 20 megabits per second, which is good but not great i mean yeah if i go home you know? to
1: australia and my parents are in a city that the population i think is like three to four million people it takes me 24 hours to upload a small youtube video so it's like still even there you would not be able to have that kind of box um but you're, you're right like we specifically live in places where it's not an issue like living in tech hubs but i i, I don't know i feel like maybe things like this will make the the it, like it's it's a government issue in Australia where they're not willing to put in the money to improve the infrastructure for broadband and maybe like things like this will put pressure on those governments to fix things. I hope <laughs> that would be nice.
0: I mean, I, our government would do it if there was money involved, yeah, or, or some some lobby is putting the pressure on, or someone's going to profit from it because that's the American way. Someone <laughs> needs to make money from it. Capitalism. Um, but um, I I like the idea though that they're putting out two options. Yeah, because. I think, obviously, the biggest concern with something that's streaming only is that, you know, are you going to sacrifice quality of video? Like, obviously, mm-hmm. 4K streaming is a technology that exists, but it's very difficult to get. And earlier this week on um, on, on Kind of Funny Games Daily, you know, Tim and, and Greg were talking about how even though it's okay if you're streaming, let's say, 4K Netflix, it might pop, the textures might pop in and out, or it might pause, or it might drop. That's okay if you're watching TV Mm. or a movie, but if you're playing games, lag and latency are super important, especially if you're playing something competitive. And I don't know if the technology exists yet, particularly in 1080p and 4K, that they can maintain those connections for extended periods of time, but it sounds like Xbox kind of learned their lesson from the Xbox One launch where the gaming community very swiftly told them, we don't want always on boxes. And I've been happy to see that a lot of people have kind of come around to the idea of like, what if Xbox had just stuck with their original vision? Like, where would the Xbox One community be today? You know, would Xbox One look any different um, and it sounds to me like they're trying to maybe go back to that original vision for Xbox One. And instead of just making it a single offering, they're saying, we get that not everybody can have this or wants this. So we're going to make two offers. You can get a traditional box or you can try this new cool streaming thing. Yeah. So, yeah. W- to,
3: to Alana's point, they do need to be careful with their marketing. Cause like you don't want the, the we, we, situation where people are like, yeah. what the fuck? Yes. What is this?
1: Yeah. So which one would you guys buy? Right yeah, now, I'd buy the regular one, so maybe. would I.
2: Yeah, I would definitely buy the regular one because you I mean there are some concerns like frame rate dropping in and out that, we're talking about. I, I'm also concerned about the latency. I know their work, I was reading some articles about this, and there's something, no computer, I do not want you to restart right now. It's like, <laughs>
0: <never start> right <laughs> not up. now, no, we're recording no. the
2: show, no, we're in the middle of the show. Um, so they're talking, and I don't, this is all new to me, so I was learning about it, but they're doing something, they're thinking about doing something called splicing now. Again, this is all rumor. Where half the game runs locally, half of it runs in on the cloud server. So then Hmm. that way, then Microsoft's technology can patch it all together. So it's something like, there's a game on Amazon that also did this. Again, this is all new to me. You might know all about this already. But it's a game where you're commanding um, a ballista and you're shooting hordes of armies that are running at you. Now the ballista and the firing, for example, is run locally where the armies are being generated in the background in the cloud. Hmm. It's all spliced together. So it sounds like that's one of the ways they are talking about making it work. So you don't have to worry about the latency. Um, but you know, for me, I I want like the big, fiscal, clunky console just so I know I'm getting I'm getting the thing. I just yeah. don't have the patience to work with internet
0: issues. But you know, yeah, and I'm with you.
2: Yeah, um, going. We back, also
0: got an. Go oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, no. I was gonna go touch base back uh, on the on the price tag again because the what they said is that this would still be. Sick, for the cloud-based system, that this would still be significantly cheaper than what we'd be used to for a regular console. So I'm wondering if there is opportunity for them to make actually a profit for, on their consoles if it was priced reasonably. And I don't know what that price would be. I mean, what do you expect to pay for a new console these days? Like four to five hundred dollars? Yeah. So I think four hundred
0: is the benchmark now, right?
2: Yeah. So if they could price it now again, I don't know. Two hundred dollars would they make a profit off of that? I'm not sure.
0: But depends on how many you sell.
2: How many <laughs> you sell, right? And but well, it also
0: depends on how big it is and how much materials you're using. Like, if it's like a Chromecast size, right, like if it's small, they could potentially make a ton of money if they're investing all of that overhead into the cloud services versus the actual, like, physical box.
2: Right. And, you know, you're going to have to pay something to access those games, so call it Xbox Live Gold. And if they, uh, you know, combine that with Game Pass, I think there's a super-duper awesome money-making opportunity here with the streaming box, and I think that's exciting. Yeah, the money. Like, Simon's holding up the little money hands. Yeah, grubby yeah, so, little money hands. <laughs> I mean, if this works, if this takes off, I think that could set, you know, I I don't think... I mean, I think eventually we'll all go stream-only consoles, but that, I think that's way, way, way down the future. But if this takes off and it's successful, I think this could set a really... New benchmark for the industry. This is how you make money on your consoles right out the gate, which is obviously something people can't really do right now. Consoles are expensive, ladies and gentlemen, to make. Yeah, yeah. that
3: they are. Yeah, interesting they stuff. They are
0: indeed. Um Yeah. Well, time will tell, right? Twenty twenty is actually not that far away. We're more than halfway through. Oh twenty eighteen now, so Ow. time stops. It's gonna. It's Back gonna before, be here. It's time out. Yeah, yeah. Before we know me out. it. Good, um, but we'll keep an eye. We'll keep an eye on it, and of course, we'll talk about all the latest rumors. What are we calling this thing? Scarlet? Is that just the code name? Scarlet? Scarlet, Scarlet. O'Hara. Scarlet Seriously, one of my favorite movies of all time. Cloud. Gone with the Wind. Oh, mm. so good. <laughs> um, all right, next story. Rocket League loot drop rates revealed. This write-up comes from IGN. Ahead of Rocket League's big summer changes, like the coming introduction of Rocket Pass, developer Psionics pulled back the curtain on how crate and key drops work. In an official post, they revealed the drop rates for all five rarity levels for items and also painted and certified attributes. Uh, these drop rates range from 1% to 55%, depending on the rarity. And they have been in place since the Crate and Key system was introduced in September 2016. Every single crate and crate series uses these rates, as will the next crates Cyonix plans to bring to Rocket League later this summer. As outlined by Psyonix, the system uses a three-step process to distribute the crates. And uh, there's like a big quote on their page about exactly how that system works. But... Psyonix definitely didn't say whether or not it has any plans to alter these rates, but it did hint at the possibility. The post concludes by saying if any changes are made, they'll, of course, post it on." the psionics blog. Now, I'm bringing this up because there has been so much chatter since last fall about microtransactions and multiple countries pursuing the legislation around gambling and microtransactions in video games. The ESA has come out here in the United States and made statements about how they don't deem microtransactions to be gambling, but we've seen places like Belgium that have taken a stand on it. There's also been legislation proposed in places like Australia, like France, and a variety of other countries. So it's interesting to see that finally, um, an American company has come forward and said, Hey, you know what? Let's, let's be transparent. We've talked about how China has instituted a mandatory, mandatory policy about listing drop rates, but that's not something that really exists anywhere else that I'm aware of. But I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's good. I think transparency is always better than not. I honestly don't think that the drop rates are going to affect how much people buy at all. If anything, it might
1: help them people yeah. are like oh 55 oh that's actually not that bad like it might legitimately encourage people to do it more
2: knowing that a black market item is a one percent they might be like oh man i'm gonna dedicate now
1: i want one of those now
2: i've got to get <laughs> one of them yeah yeah i mean i agree i don't think this is gonna like you said change the amount of people so are these because i was a little confused on this these crates are things that people buy with real money is that how it works these crates yes, yes. so the okay. so the
0: crates are and the crate system is uh, like a random drop so it's an rng okay. uh with the crate system and i believe the crates are 99 cents to buy a key so you like earn the crates and then you buy the keys i have to look up exactly how the system works but okay. it sounds very similar to the paragon system where you can like earn both in game periodically but if you want to open more you buy you buy the the, the crates and the keys um but Yeah, uh, that game has been out for a long time and they keep supporting it with content and there's only one way to really do that is to charge for stuff. And so they have some really fun cosmetics they can charge for. I just come, I just always come back to like the RNG aspect of it. Like I would rather it be like, here's the skin you're buying or here's like the shader you're buying or whatever the cosmetic item is. I just don't like the uncertainty of blind boxes. Yeah. Particularly if there isn't some kind of system in place to prevent you from getting drops that you already have in your inventory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't I'm feel not. good, man. Feels I'm bad. I a rare
2: feels bad, man. a 55% drop. That doesn't seem like it would be rare. I know. Well, rare is usually the bottom. I thought like common was. Doesn't it go like common, uncommon? Well, a, I mean, for this, it's. Maybe I played too much Pokemon in my day. But. Yes. Anyway. No, it's is is cool. isn't th- that rare. I, I think transparency is good. Honesty is the best policy. Just good to know. Like, what are my odds? Cool. You're not trying to be a sneaky squirrel on me. Thank you. Sneaky squirrel. And it does, even
1: though it is still technically gambling. Like, you don't know how much of a certain thing that you're going to get. It makes it does make it seem slightly more ethical. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah. I would be happy to see more uh, devs putting out stuff like this.
0: Totally. Yeah. Same. If you're going to uh, make me wh- pray to our Jesus, tell me how much I need to pray to him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> how much money do I need to give him, please? Like, what Do
0: you need to make a blood sacrifice?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't do that, kids. No, no. No, keep your don't. blood inside yeah, your body. You All it. right, unless last story from the blood. news section. Sorry, Steimer, you're talking about donating blood? I said unless you're donating blood. Yeah, you can Keep do your that. Blood
2: inside it's your good. body, right?
0: But even when you donate your blood, it doesn't it doesn't go outside anywhere. It stays in in your body. Then it goes in the needle. Then it goes in the tube. And then I mean, it goes in the bag. That's outside of your body, though. Oh my gosh, Steimer! What if you drop the tube? What,
1: what happens? Oh shit. shit! Blood
3: everywhere! What are you gonna do about that? Zombie
2: apocalypse starts now. We're in Resident Evil Eight. Bad news bears. <laughs> Super oh my bad gosh. news
3: bears.
0: <laughs> All right, last story. <laughs> <laughs> Fortnite daily revenue on mobile reached a new all-time high. This write-up comes from GamesIndustry.biz. On July 13th, players spent roughly $3 million in a single day. This beat out the previous record of $1.9 million, which coincided with the launch of Season 4 on May 1st. Between its March 15th launch on mobile and the close of Season 4 on July, players' spend was roughly $1.2 million. According to a Sensor Tower store intelligence, since the launch of season 5, daily spend has climbed to 2 million dollars. That's 2 million dollars per day. 60 plus million dollars a month. This represents a 12% increase on the previous 10 days. So if you haven't bought stock in Epic Games, you might want to. Wait, are they a publicly traded company? They aren't. I don't know. I don't, I don't
1: know, think Epic know, is. Owns
3: yeah, I think um, it's Tencent. 80 to
0: 48 uh, percent. Tencent is a minority stakeholder. I know because I was, mm, excuse me, Andrea. Um, Tencent is not a majority stakeholder. They're not I a majority, a, but your, they do
3: have a large amount of shares.
0: Yes, they do. They Because I was you're wronged on kind of Finding Games Daily. Because oh, oh. I said that they had a controlling stake because I thought they had 51 oh, no. percent. They no. don't. I think they have like 48, so I'm, right? I'm just going to turn it right back at yeah, you. Yeah, and I thought I it was like they have no something. Control. It's like yeah. last okay. I, it was forty, and then I believe it's forty-eight now. But That's um, insane. what the current updated numbers are, I don't know off the top of my head. You have to look it up. The first one, but currently to Fortnite is Mobile is only please. available on iOS. So this is the thing I wanted to bring up: that it's bananas that they're making this much money just on iOS without an Android oh, yeah. release, because Android is obviously the dominant mobile platform worldwide. So once they finally get their Android version out which is like what What's ta- what could possibly be taking so long oh wait there's, there's like 800 different Android devices that must yeah. be it yeah. um, it's hard to test but I mean but like listen it's fucking Fortnite if PUBG can do it so can they
2: this is awesome I'm just so happy for Epic Games like this is cool and it's what I love about it is that they're having so much fun you know we just talked about this was that last week with the hamburger whatever the hell it's called yeah Oh yeah. before the launch
0: of season five yeah yeah
2: they're freaking taking things from their games and putting it you know worlds collide and you know big old burgers in the random desert and they have pinatas scattered about everywhere and they're just having so much fun with it and that's
1: just so cool to see it is it It does feel like you know a company that has been kind of a good guy (laughs) like it does feel like most of like what i know of epic has been really positive and them having all the success is actually really cool it's like They just seem to be hanging out, having a great time,
3: making engines, and now they have this incredible game. This is a random edition of them being a good guy. I forget the name of him. He's like their tech lead. But he's, I'm glad he's getting even more money because he like just bought a bunch of land in North Carolina so that people could not develop on it. He basically was just like, no, I buy this land and I preserve it. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. So I'm like, yes, make all the money so that you can just keep doing that. Buy the country. Buy the country. <laughs> just do the whole thing. It. Get rid of all of it. <laughs> Let's get
2: it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It's cool to see. This. Yeah. So apparently, Epic
1: Tencent Epic. owns yeah forty eight percent of Epic Games.
3: So close. Yeah. Crushed it. Tim Sweeney, I believe, is the man I was thinking of. It's
0: it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, he runs all of it.
1: So I guess Fortnite's um, not in China yet. So um, it says like the article I'm reading right now, which is on uh, Fortune, said Tencent plans to bring the game to China, which is going to just. Make it infinitely more profitable. Um, most recent stat that it has here is that the game had sales of 223 million in March alone. That's so much money.
2: It makes you wonder yes. what am I doing with my life?
3: Making two million dollars a day. I don't know, but you're certainly no. not making enough to buy a seven thousand acre forest. That's true. Just because.
2: patreoncom slash Games,
3: <laughs> ladies and
0: gentlemen,
1: help us buy a forest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> truly we're just to trying goal. to preserve the earth <laughs> um before we go into our first break I just wanted to read this one headline from VentureBeat because it just kind of made me chuckle but also like of course this is going to be like the most obvious of obvious headlines um porn and games are the biggest drivers of VR revenue mm-hmm. surprise surprise is that right? um Sex Like Real, which is the name of a company, (laughs) said it analyzed the July 6th leak from... Wait, what's the leak? (laughs) A porn app company? According to analysis... I've skipped a paragraph. Whoops. Some leaky Uh, board. Can can you hold up? Games and (laughs) porn are the biggest drivers of revenue for the fledgling virtual reality industry, according to an analysis released by a porn app company, Sex Like Real. How do we all know that? Well, that remember that Steam games leak that happened? All that Steam data that kind of just like made its way onto the Internet. Um, that's where some of this analysis comes from. It says it found that 481 VR games released since 2016 have generated $50 million in sales, and it found that 6,000 VR videos released to date have also generated $50 million in revenues. If you add revenue from PlayStation VR and Oculus Home, game revenue tops... million. Now, while that may sound like a lot, that means the VR games in the past few years have generated a tiny fraction of the revenues of the game industry, which is expected to hit a massive $125.4 billion in 2018, according to Newzoo, now this data clearly shows that VR games and VR porn are the biggest consumer markets and thus key drivers of virtual reality. Now, in many ways, that's no surprise since games and porn have reportedly driven sales of many consumer electronic products, going back to the <laughs> video cassette recorder and the first personal computer. I was
1: going to bring that up. It's like so. I tried VR porn once when it first came out at CES. And it was terrible. It was really, really bad. you
0: tried it at CES, like in front of people? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They had tons of it at CES. I remember this. It's so awkward. It was
1: super awkward. I think I was the only woman in the room as well. Like, it was really weird, but it was really bad because, like, perspectives were really weird. And so it's like someone gets on top of you and they look like a mountain and you're just like, this is not, none of this is right. (laughs) It was really bad. And apparently they fixed it, but... Like, even then, I was like, I really genuinely hope that VR porn succeeds, because if it does, VR will succeed. Basically, as soon as you have porn on something, that hardware is fine. (laughs) Like, the same thing (laughs) happened with VHS. Like, as soon as you can get that to work, then that hardware, like, people will continuously iterate on it. People keep improving it, trying to get it into more households because it's so profitable. So it's like, if we can get porn to succeed, then games will also start succeeding more as the hardware is refined. It's like, just figure that out, and then everyone's good.
2: And the porn peripherals as well. I saw this on a face, you know, those like random Facebook videos you'll find as you're scrolling through your timeline. Mm-hmm. It was yep. a man watching VR porn, but he was wearing a suit. And on specific parts of his body were sensors that would activate uh, as he was watching this PR, uh, PR, VR porn, um, like on his like nipples there'd be like little like vibrating sensors and other parts of them like dang the future is here ladies and gentlemen they had, Dude, it I sounds
0: have, like ready player one which we're gonna talk about later yep
1: at, in a yeah. uh, gdc there was i think it was for res there was one of those bodysuits that you could wear that. for res infinite and it was like it would like vibrate yeah, with the music like same thing someone
3: probably used that for a sex porn thing later uh, it wasn't that no because i actually used the suit i got in the suit and mm-hmm. I, I did the thing and I was, I, cause that's my first, that was my first thought too. I was like, how, what is this going to be like? like what was, what, what's, what's going to happen here? But it wasn't, it was just like mostly vibrating on your, your outer limbs. Right. Not but like, could
1: they just use sensation. the same suit? Like I, maybe they could have, <laughs> maybe yeah, I, it has I mean, dual no, purpose. I'm not
3: going to tell you what to do with your time, sir. Whoever <laughs> takes that suit home. I don't know where that suit lives. This a Gucci I don't, I don't know if we want to know. I don't know if we want to know that. <laughs>
0: Oh, my God. Well, I just wanted to drop it in there because I thought it was uh, interesting. Uh, Not that we all didn't know that porn and games go hand in hand. Um, (laughs) Avi. But We're going to take a short break right now. Um, And when we come back, we're going to talk about some games that we have been playing. So stick with us and we'll be right back. Everybody, it's segment two of the What's Good Games podcast, where we talk about our hands-on impressions about what we've been playing. And this week, our impressions are brought to you courtesy of Bespoke Post. So a few weeks ago, you heard us talk about Bespoke Post for the first time and how it's kind of like a present from yourself to yourself. Once a month. And now you can experience it too at boxofawesome.com. So I personally picked out the Somme box, which I'm assuming is short for sommelier, which is basically just a super fancy wine person who knows a lot more about wine than I pretend to. <laughs> um, and obviously I picked the wine box because, uh, it's on brand for me. Um, and I wanted to just tell you guys that I bought this box, or I, th- they shipped this box to me, and I honestly thought that I was gonna be like, uh, they're not going to have anything in there that I don't already have, but whoa, was my mind blown because the, uh, the can of proprietary uh, gas that you use to preserve your wine has changed my life. And they also gave me a really fancy wine key and you just can't have too many wine keys. Uh, which is essentially another word for a bottle opener. Okay, what's a wine key? Yeah, well, that's like the server terminology for it. Because um, when you work in restaurants, you open a ton of wine bottles a night, and you have to get the one with the hinge mm. in the uh, in the lever to make sure you don't break the cork. It's it's beautiful. I really love it. But um, I wanted to tell you guys a little bit more about Bespoke Post. So they scout out quality and unique products around the world, delivering them to you every month without high retail markups. So to get started, you guys need to visit boxofawesome.com. Answer a few short questions that will help them get a feel for the kind of boxes that will go best with your style. Now, whether you're in search for the perfect drink, a well-kept pad, or a jet-setting style, Bespoke Post helps you get there, improving your life one box at a time. So the first of the month, you'll receive an email with your box details, and your you're going to have five days to change the color, sizes, or whatnot, or add extra goods to your box. Now, if you're not feeling that month, if you're like, well, my budget's a little tight this month, or you didn't like what they picked off you, no worries. You just skip it. So from barrel-aging kits to limited-edition cigars, weekender bags to classy dope kits, and, of course, the SOM kit that I was talking to you guys about, the Spoke Post offers essential goods and guidance for the modern man or woman. So, if you guys want to receive twenty percent off your first subscription box, go to boxofawesome.com and enter promo code what's good at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Promo code co- code <laughs> What's good for twenty percent off your first box. Bespoke post theme boxes for guys that give a damn. Yeah. Steimer, have you used your uh, Moscow mule copper mugs yet? Not yet. They're like they're all washed and up there. I just
3: haven't been I've been moving around too much to make a drink.
0: <laughs> but I- Life is such-, such. Nice. I'm gonna look it Life up. What's, what's the website? Boxofawesome.com.
2: I got but, the aged box, which is the whiskey one. It comes with these really yeah. cool little whiskey, I think the officially is tumblers. I would call them glasses, but I think people would laugh at me. And it's cool, they sit on their side, and then they like spin. And it's really neat. Like that's perfect and there's some whiskey Dang. glasses like that. And then it this comes stuff like, is you, fancy. Yeah, it comes yeah, with this little it? thing that you stick in your drink, and it makes it smoothie. Living, leave it in there for eight to ten days. Like it's called a stave, I think. Andrea, you probably know more about it than I do. Little honey mm. oak thing. I don't know. It's really cool. I'm digging it.
0: I am. Yeah. What's great about it too is that you don't just have to get it for yourself. If if you have somebody in your life. Like my husband, who is internally difficult to shop for because he buys himself whatever he wants. Uh, they have some really fun ideas for boxes for gifts for people, too. So you would sign up, you know, get 20% off your first box. Either keep it for yourself or maybe you want to give it away. Who knows? Again, one more time, boxofawesome.com. Promo code. What's good. All right. So we have been playing some stuff. It sounds like all three of you have... Been on the Octopath Traveler train, so do you guys want to start with that? Some more impressions now that you've gotten some more time with the game. Uh, has anybody finished the game?
1: Mm.
0: Hell no! Oh no, girl, it's a long game. Apparently, yeah.
3: it's Tell only me, like sixty hours,
1: which for a JRPG is not that long. You're sure. sixty hours in? No, apparently that's how long it is. Oh,
2: I was like, girl, yeah, yeah, yeah no. 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 Um. I have traveled my Octopath, so I am maybe now like 16 hours in. Mm -hmm. I have six of the eight people, companions, the travelers, and I – we were talking about this yesterday, which was Monday, um, the happy hour Q&A live stream with Steimer, and like obviously the game is beautiful. They're calling it HD2D, and the music is just – oh my god, like sex for the years. Beautiful, beautiful game. So the first the first jarring thing, though, that I noticed was once I completed chapter one of one character and then I recruited another character and finished their chapter one, there's no interaction there between the characters. And there's no, like, commentary on what that character is going through. These characters are very much experiencing their storylines separately. Now, from what I've heard is down the line, there is some interaction, but it's not, like, a great thing. It's not a great amount of interaction. So that was a little jarring for me at first. I was like, oh, dang. Like I want to know more about these characters to me in a JRPG and in a story specifically like this. I want to see how these characters interact with each other, how they grow, how their relationships develop. And so far, I'm not seeing any of that. I'm just seeing individual growth in the characters. But now that I'm kind of over that, I am really just digging this game for what it is. It's just a beautiful throwback. Um, I do... I was talking to Simon also about this yesterday. I almost kind of wish... Like, I understand like, it's a cool thing that you can go recruit your characters as you want and what order you want. And I understand to create dialogue for character A, character like E, talking to character C for the first time, that'd be really hard to draft all those possibilities up. But I kind of wish that they had taken a more linear approach in terms of the characters you recruit and in the specific order you recruit so they could have built that character interaction in. Uh, but other than that I'm still really loving it it's just such a fun game to sit down and play especially on the go on the switch
3: yeah no obviously I agree with you and I we talked about this yesterday but um, it's just like it's such a bummer because the characters are so unique and interesting at least the people that I've recruited so far I'm like man like what would you talk to each other about like that would be kind of interesting to see how you would play off of each other or what you would think about like what the super religious chick would think of Primrose like what like i would yeah. be interested to see that but instead they all just kind of following the leader around the map um and they don't really acknowledge that the other ones exist which is sort of weird like you fight the boss battles together but it's like i was alone
2: yeah yeah yeah. you fight the boss fight you know together and then after that and the cinema or the uh, narrative starts up again they're all gone it's just that character again it's like where'd everybody go
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting game because, like, at the start, you're right. It's like, it's beautiful. The characters individually are really interesting. I really like the battle mechanics. I even like the way that the different party members, the abilities they have can work off of one another. But you kind of get to this point that I've seen everyone get to, and I think I'm about 20 hours in. That it's like, it starts to feel a little bit repetitive. You realize just how often enemies spawn when you're traveling, and you're like, oh, this is a lot. And you get to that point where you realize that there isn't any character interaction, and it's, it's, it's almost like, obviously not intentional, but it's almost like it feels a little bit misleading. Like if someone were to re- write a review of the first five hours of the game versus the full game, they'd be so, so, so different. And I, I want to encourage like anyone who likes any kind of RPG to try it, cause it's beautiful, it's not that expensive, and it's it, just listening to it, like I had it, just running on my TV one night and I just left it on and I was just sleeping to the sound of this town that was really nice. It's really, really cool, but yeah, it is I think not as deep as I initially thought that it would be. Right. Um, but so I still like a, it.
2: Yeah, someone was like, would you consider this to be a game of the year contender? And I think like an RPG game of the year contender sure mm. but I think for it to be considered a game of the year contender overall there would have had to been like that deep narrative with the character interaction and see that overarching story and how they all unite and like you said you were talking about i want to see how Primrose and the scholar interacts or the thief and the merchant you know like stuff like that I would love to see that because these characters
3: are so interesting but Alani I'm oh, sorry yeah. go ahead. no no that's it yeah, oh, Alani you said it what well, this game's not that expensive it's 60 dollars what do you mean it's a regular regular price game. Yeah, I suppose that is in the US. <laughs> it's like
1: I still have this thing in my brain where I'm like $100 is the price of a video game. <laughs> but I guess no, 60 it is it's is a regular price thing.
3: of a video game, but I'm just saying it's on par with like a triple regular triple A game.
0: Yeah,
1: again in Australia they're a 100.
3: All games forever? Yeah. yeah.
0: Like a standard, so standard in the US is fifty nine ninety nine, and standard in Australia is ninety nine. And
1: I mean, I knew that. It's just that I'm so used to getting codes that I like barely see it anymore. But I bought it, and I was like, "Oh, sixty bucks, cool." It's like, "Sweet, this oh, is a score." And it's bad. like, "Oh, no, that's the the exchange that's rate. That's so the funny. exact same price." <laughs> mm-hmm. But it is also like a lot of content and. I think the way the gameplay evolves as you get further in is really cool, and I like a lot of the battle mechanics a whole lot. Like, sometimes it's very, very challenging, but I really like the system of, you know, using different characters to figure out what enemies are weak to, and the order in which you do that, and how you use your boost and all that stuff. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's a really well-thought-out um, battle system, which is what you spend a lot of the time doing. And I do like the individual characters a lot. Um, Britt, who did you start out with?
2: Ulbrick. Ulbrick The warrior. Yeah. Yeah. And also the battle mechanics are fun, but the path actions are fun as well. So yeah. you're going to – there is yes. a bug trying to, like, infiltrate my mouth. I don't want that. So there are <laughs> – Why not? <laughs> so I don't know what this little fucker's problem is. <laughs> He's, like, dive bombing me left and right. Oh, my God. Okay.
1: <laughs>
2: so as you go across the town, you're going to find side quests. <laughs> and, um, you know, all you do is you approach these characters and you talk to them and they, like, have a problem. And it's, like, maybe a few sentences long. And then that's it. The game doesn't tell you what to do. It doesn't tell you where to go or anything like that. And then I was like, how does this work? But as you play and you acquire these characters, you have path actions. So some characters can scrutinize people, a.k.a. gather information from them. Some people can steal. Some people can buy items. Some people can allure people. You can challenge people to duels. And it's through those characters and their specific path actions that you can solve those side quests. And that's a fun mechanic, too.
3: Oh, God. I was doing the real annoying thing where... So Jackie and I were playing this on the on the train down to San Diego and I was like, "Oh man, I want to steal like I am I'm such a klepto in games. I'm like I want to steal all the things. Let me steal them." But I won't do it unless it's like 80%. Yeah, like 80% higher. i like really picky about it. I'm not 100%. 100%. <laughs> then then it would be like I just kept rolling really shitty, basically like the RNG whatever dice roll in the back, and I kept like fucking it up, even though it was eighty percent. I was like, bah! What happens when you mess the- up? It's really not that bad, but like they're like, hey, you shouldn't do that. And I think if you Did fail it, you lose town morale. A few more, not not for the so I think you have to fail stealing four times, um, and then it will ne- negatively impact your reputation with that town. If you miss it once, it's fine. But I still was like, no, my perfect record. So then I would, I would restart because you always, I always save right before I would try to steal from someone. Well,
1: save yeah. scumming is save scumming, but with thievery. That's what yes. that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll that, only do it an if an it's like 80% term? and I, I've never failed it four times, but I, you know, you know, when you go into one of the taverns and they're like, Oh, pay to fix your reputation. And they're like, your reputation's fine. And I'm like, you're damn right. It is. Yeah.
3: Wait, <laughs> what? You could do that. Yeah. yeah. In the tavern. Oh yeah. That's not as scary then. Yeah. They don't They're just not permanently okay. hate you. You just pay them off. I can pay people off. Money fixes all but problems. But it's
1: also like in a game where you're, you know, solving problems and saving the world. It's always just like, why, why? Are you guys really that mad if I steal a berry off of you? Like, <laughs> right? I'm doing a lot for society. I'm helping you. Like, you well, should just be giving this to me.
3: The thief's really just in it for themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. RPG
2: townsfolk are dicks. It's yeah. like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going off on this journey. I'm going to save the world and everything. They're like, okay, but um, excuse me, since you're not staying in our town anymore we got to start charging you for hotels. And it's yeah. like,
1: fuck you. This is how you show your appreciation. It's like the end of Fallout 3. is like, no, I'm sorry. No one else could possibly do it. Like, I get that you have friends with a super mutant, but you have to die. You're like, but but,
3: but why? But why? Why do yeah, I have because, to do that? <laughs> because it's how it was meant but to I be. I did so much
1: stuff. Why do I? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, They're like, too bad. Guess you're going to die.
3: Yeah. it's like it's and then how, how he, when they patched it he super guilt trips you yeah he's like this was really your journey to complete yeah. but i guess yeah i guess i'll go in this room you're like fuck off fox what are you talking you about it won't hurt you what's the problem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why are you being so mean to <laughs> yeah. me yeah all right anyways we got off tangent but <laughs> yeah all
2: right those are my opinions on the octopaths
3: yes I good video game it's good video game
0: Cool. <laughs> so, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so a lot of last week on the show, uh, Britt tried her damnedest to explain to me, and Steimer also helped about what what JRPGs really are from like a gameplay perspective, like kind of what defines the genre, and like what they love about them. And I'm just like, <laughs> so you haven't even played like a Pokemon game. No. I mean, I played a little bit of Pokemon X. On 3ds, um, I've played a little bit of um, Final Fantasy. One of them was it yeah, nine? I, I played. I played. I, I dabbled in a little bit of Final Fantasy fifteen, but that's not very traditional JRPG, right? right. Yeah. And what was one um, you played with Alexa? Yeah, that's I played nine. Final Fantasy nine on PS four uh, the or a remaster. Um, I have played a little bit. Uh, well, would you, would you call? battle chef brigade jrpg mm, no maybe nah. not no ish um basically like it's the like the turn-based battle system that i'm just kind of like i don't know we'll see so did you but, like 15 um, then mm, 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 i didn't play enough of it yeah i was gonna go back when the royal edition came out and really kind of like sink some time in and then i just went back to playing destiny <laughs> oh, there you go. There Vol- you go. As I'm holding Ben-la. my Hunter symbol from Destiny necklace, um, but uh, I digress. Uh, it was an interesting conversation. If anybody out there listening or watching missed it, uh, it was uh, a I fun tried. conversation about JRPGs. And some people did reach out to me and be like, "I'm with you, solidarity." And then other people were like, "You've been missing out your whole life." And I was like, "I know." It's fine. <laughs> uh, there's plenty of games. There's plenty of games in the sea, uh, as the saying goes. It's true.
1: That's Famous saying, Gandhi.
0: I believe that there's so many games in the sea. Don't worry about JRPGs. You're fine. Exactly. See, it rhymes. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about something else that Brit is passionate about. Resident Evil 2. So uh, obviously we saw this game back at E3. We talked about it then, but I didn't get a chance to play it because I was stuck on stage most of the show. And I finally got a chance to get hands on with the game at San Diego Comic-Con, where of course Capcom announced the collector's edition for Resident Evil 2, Mm complete with the statue of Mr. Leon Kennedy and a bunch of other stuff. Yep. Um, so the demo, in fairness, about to what I'm about to say, the demo that I played was much shorter than what you got to play at E3 because they were cycling people in and out because this was on the floor of Comic-Con. So it was open to anybody who was had a Comic-Con badge, which was like, Two hundred thousand wow. people, <laughs> um, but I wanted to go and check it out uh, to see what the hype was, since it clearly won Best of Show, uh, despite the fact that it didn't win any of the solo categories below it. But still I tried telling you, but it's fine. No, it's okay, and you did. But I, I was like, I and I'm holding my ground. I I don't I still don't know how they won Best of Show. That's
2: fine. There so are plenty I played of games it. in the sea for us all. Yeah. Away.
0: Yes. Right. So I, I was playing the game. And the graphic update looks good. You st- can see in the cutscenes, though, like where a little bit of the tearing is, where a little bit of the the underlying old jank is still kind of there. So I was a little bit surprised that it wasn't uh, a little bit crisper. Uh, certainly looks like night and day better than the original did. Like there's no disputing that. But I guess when I look at something like a project like this, I was – anticipating it to look like any other major AAA release and it just doesn't quite look as good yet. Now, I don't know if that's a byproduct of the code that they have at Comic Con hmm. of what they were running it on, the type of monitors that they have or if that's just the way it's going to look
1: I didn't notice anything I'm like that like, it's, it's in the RE7 engine which like is kind of it's it's a solid but it's like I don't feel like it was mind blowingly good looking except for the environments like I feel like some of the characters did look kind of stupid um, but I didn't have any screen tearing or anything like that in my RE2 demo, so... Uh,
2: I didn't either, but to be fair, when I played it, I was on Capcom's stream, and I was just so freaking excited to be there that I could have overlooked everything. Maybe same, yeah. Yeah, like, I am just such a fan that I was just so excited to be holding that controller that I, if there is a demo ever released, I would like to actually play through it with music critical eye, but... Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe I had screen tearing in mind, but I don't remember.
0: Well, and of course, I'm going to be more critical as somebody who's new to the franchise right. and does not have any kind of fan allegiance to the mm-hmm. franchise whatsoever. Um, and all, and I'm going to say, of course, that this is me being nitpicky and that it's clearly not final code. The game has development to go. Um, so that's just one thing that I noticed. Um, I had never played this game, and so the things that I thought they did really well, of course, as per Resident Evil, old school in particular, Resident Evil. Um, the atmosphere building is is fantastic. You certainly have a lot of things to run around and look at. You know, you have the audio design contributing to atmospheric development and really kind of giving that that spooky. Scary feel, even if there's not any enemies like in sight. Mm -hmm. Like, you always feel like they could be lurking around any corner at any time. And then when you do have an enemy encounter, it's very like gruesome. Uh, there was this one encounter where I was lifting up a steel door and, uh, there was another, um, RPD officer underneath there and Leon's like trying to pull him out to save him and you're like pulling him by the arms. And something else is clearly pulling him on the other side. And then you manage to get him free when you pull him out all the way. His bottom half is missing. Oh, yeah. And his, like, guts are, like, spilling out of his midsection and i'm just like oh this is so gross why am i playing this game um it's
1: also like every but, shot that you take stays yes. which i really 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 like because i don't think that was a thing in Seven. i oh, don't know that i noticed at least like every everything that you shoot like you can see it just stay in their face and i like i love that so much it's yeah. very gross but i'm a fan
2: such a gross game but I,
0: I don't like love very it. gross I yeah love it. no I mean yeah, gross is definitely not for me either the part about the the demo that I really just had a hang up on was the uh was the traversal and I don't know if this was a camera thing or if it was um it just kind of like felt a little sticky and what I mean by that is turning like I couldn't turn quickly uh, because I didn't try to fight. like I got into this hallway sequence where there were a bunch of zombies. And I could have tried to shoot them all. But instead I just decided to run. I was like, I'm just going to get out of here. Um, and I felt like when I'm, the camera was moving around. First off, it was incredibly dark. I'm holding a flashlight. I can't see anything. And like he just turned so slow side to side. And in a situation where... It's like heightened awareness, like you're, you're like panicking because they're, they're like the zombies are making noises in your headphones and they're coming after you and like there's got blood on the screen and, uh, I felt like I wanted to have better camera control to see what was around me, particularly for a third person game. First person, I would understand why I would maybe feel a little bit more frightened because you can't see what's behind you in first person, right? But like third person, you're supposed to be able to. And, and I don't know if that's like, resident evil camera style or if that's just for this demo so
2: resident evil 7 was first person um this is i think well gosh alana you're a resident evil fan yeah so what was the last over the shoulder resident evil was it
1: six yeah it was six
2: six but this is obviously using the resident evil 7 engine yeah um i i faintly remember that as well being an issue so something i i think if i go back and watch my stream i requested um a, a, like a button prompt right where you can j- I, it was in some of the other Resident Evil games where you just tap like something on the um, analog and another button and you do a quick turn so you can quickly turn around and jolt and I think that is a necessity in the Resident Evil games because mm-hmm. it is an intense game And sometimes you need a GTFO and like collect yourself because there are zombies approaching you and the tank controls are something that were in the old Resident Evil games obviously none of us want that in this upcoming game that shouldn't be a thing Um but I agree. Uh, there is probably room for improvement there. You need to feel like you can move like
1: lickety split. Well, especially when so much of it is like puzzle solving or like trying to find an item and then you find it, but you can hear something getting closer and closer to you. Like you yeah. definitely do need. I wonder if that's like maybe a controller sensitivity thing because it did feel slow to me too uh, when I was playing through the demo. But I feel like that sort of built up some of the tension for me as well. So that that was like a positive of that it was like, oh, I feel like I really have to, you know be prepared and you're in these really enclosed environments where everything's pretty close quarters, like exploring things with us desks everywhere. So it's all really narrow. So I feel like it kind of worked, but yeah, like, I mean, when you're, when you're doing something and there's stuff going on behind you, you really need to be able to get out of that situation quickly. And I think I totally agree that be situations where that would get really annoying, but I wonder if it is a control sensitivity thing. Like maybe you could just change it. A quick time would be good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that. like it reminded me a little bit of my playtime with the Evil Within 2 and how I really enjoyed that game way more than I thought. And it obviously, you know, um from Mikami that takes a lot of the, the the tenants of what built the Resident Evil franchise. Um, but I never felt any of the kind of sluggishness, the slow turning, the camera angle issues that I had in this demo. Now obviously I know that this is a remake, so it's gonna be it's not gonna be like a like a fresh coat of paint on or, or it's not gonna be like a fresh brand new game but I, maybe my expectations are misaligned for what no, the game's actually going to be.
2: It should be a fresh new game because it, even though it's like a remake, this is a completely new perspective. You know, the environments have been redone. So things that you experience in Resident Evil 2, you know, you're not going to necessarily get in this remake when you expect to get them. Everything has been built from the ground up. So obviously I'm a huge fan of Resident Evil 2. No, no shit. But I <laughs> definitely have high expectations in terms of the controls and how the traversal system works, and all of those things as well. So these are valid things that you're bringing up. I would like to play the demo again, with more of a clear mind. And, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, granted, don't get me wrong, absolutely still my game of show at E3, like, hands down. But, you know, I think for me, and this could be, because I'm just, again, a super fan, I'm like, okay, this game still has, like, five months to go. But, you know, if this is what they are showing at press events, they should be trying to put their best foot forward. And that's how. That's just
0: my point. Like, I played this demo and was like, how did this win Game of Show over Spider-Man? How did this win Game of Show over Anthem? Or over Call of Duty? Or over The Last of Us? Or literally, like, any other major AAA game that was there. And, like, maybe... I just have not seen it or not seen why people voted for it for a game of show. Like, what about it was like the thing? And like, I, I, we don't necessarily need to dig into that conversation here, but this is why I went out of my way to play it at Comic Con because I was like, I need to understand why this won. And I congratulated them because obviously it's a huge honor and they should be very proud. I'm not trying to say that this game looks like garbage or anything like that. It doesn't. It, it looks good, but like, best of show is a very prestigious award that only one game gets a year. And uh, the if you look back at the list over the years of the games that I've won, I just, like, I just wasn't understanding, like, what about the game was so magical.
2: <laughs> I, I, was wonder, like, I, I wonder I wonder if the demos it. were different. I mean, if, if there was, like, a build difference, if, like, in the build there were some, like, issues. Because I didn't have any issues in my demo. And, yeah, I think a lot of it, I mean obviously personal preference right like for me spider-man i it still did absolutely nothing for me but i know you and Samer both are like oh my god we are so fucking excited about spider-man and i can understand why on the outsider's perspective but like personally i'm like i'm gonna play this game because you two got me so up and hyped for it i mean as hyped as i can get but it's just something that doesn't really speak to me and maybe with resident evil 2 there was that nostalgic factor that did play on its side and this, you know, was renowned as one of the best survival horror video games that were ever made. And for its time, it was incredible. So, yeah, I'm. It, Brittany, it's really interesting to hear your feedback. Yes, Stimer.
3: Would you say there is a large sea of video games that we can all
2: There's a large pick sea of video games we can all pick and choose from. And there's something out there for everyone.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Gandhi.
1: <laughs> it was actually Gandhi's. my second game of show off to Cyberpunk, which obviously I didn't get to play, but... Um, I think the thing with Resident Evil, which applies to every Resident Evil game, which applies to then, like, every horror game that I play that doesn't have Resident Evil elements, is always the puzzle stuff. Like, I just love it yes. so much. I thought the environments were really, really impressive, and everything looked really realistic. And I feel like it felt different to 7 in that, you know, you're going through the police station and everything in the room, like, you see three dead bodies, and then at one point you'll step over one of them and they'll, they'll stand up. And, it like, it just... Ooh. No, it felt it felt really really dynamic to me, Um, but also yeah, just the puzzle stuff. It was like I I go into a room and I had to find someone's desk and then you know it's not like new for the for the franchise, but I I just love that part of it that that ongoing mystery that comes with Resident Evil. That's like oh I found this key, but I have no idea what it does yet, and I haven't found the door for it yet, and I like it, just that that constant piecing of things together that I even got in that like I think like twenty five minutes that I played the demo was yes. like, I, I just love that so much and was immediately addicted to it. And it totally could be just that I like the franchise, but um, I don't like every game in the franchise, but I like two a lot. And I feel like that made it more satisfying to play for me than pretty much anything else I played. Like Anthem felt incredible. Spider-Man felt incredible but they didn't feel to me like they had as much depth in their demos as Resident Evil 2 did just because of that one thing i think and it's a, it is totally personal preference
3: that's, and that's my the biggest end of my pet peeve is in zombie games when you like walk through a thing and there's like these people you presume dead and then one of them gets up and i'm like the jump scares I, I would just be like i am stabbing everything in the head I'm just everything's like, like they're getting a screwdriver <laughs> through the eye socket. You can before you can't I shoot go them anywhere because you got to do that resource management because it's Resident Evil. Yeah, got to just stab. Them. Why would the screw? Why would the screwdriver be
1: bad? No, that's what I'm play. saying. You can do that. Oh yeah, you can't shoot uh, yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> I was going to say shoot them, but I realized my error and mm-hmm. that ammo would be scarce. So you gotta you gotta get close and stab them. But still, um, I would definitely be doing that all the time so that nothing would do that. It's a, a good strategy for me. It's a good strategy. It's smart. Yeah yeah
1: like they don't move space. that fast so it's not really jump scary like they kind of just like chill around you a little bit and you're like they're oh he's like, oh, hey
2: bob what's up kind of Unless those crimson heads make a comeback <laughs> yeah. they're all screwed those are assholes those yeah. guys you have to burn them but you only have a little bit of fuel and you got to burn them after you kill them or they're going to come back and they're going to freaking eat your head oh man stressful so you should get to baby dragon. sounds like
0: something i'm going a nope right out of nope. <laughs> no thanks I'm good. Um, I do want to get to one question before we get to the end of the segment. Um, Gregory Horton. Wrote into dear WGG as Britt mentioned earlier, com slash DearWGG. Hi, ladies. Have any of you had a chance to play No Man's Sky next after today's update? And this, of course, was written earlier in the week. I've never owned No Man's Sky until last night in preparation for today's update. Thank you for your conversation on it last week. Andrew, you totally sold me on playing it while I wait for Destiny Forsaken to arrive this September. Smiley face. Well, you're welcome. Um Has anybody gotten a chance to uh, jump back in to No Man's Sky?
1: Only yes. a single hour.
0: That's Same all here, I played. girl.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah, be playing so more tonight.
2: I have never played No Man's Sky. Um I just, you know, I was like, yeah, not for me. We talked about this last week. So today I purchased it and Jason and I hopped on for an hour of multiplayer. And hot diggity damn, that game does not mess it around. They throw you into the middle. I don't know if every planet you start on is different or if it was just the one we started on. But it ra- is. Okay. So the radiation was eating my face. Like there are monsters trying to kill me. And I'm like, I literally started this game two minutes ago. <sighs> I have no idea how to even get into my inventory. I have this like mining beep I need to work on. I don't know what's happening. So there is definitely a learning curve there. But I feel like after an hour, I have like a, a, like a decent enough grasp where I can imagine like how I need to proceed with my life. But the first question I have is like, is this a game where I just need to. Mind things, collect resources, and travel the planets. I thought I had read that there's a campaign around there somewhere, like a 30 hour campaign that had been implemented in one of the prior updates. Um, but I'm like, cause, cause in all the games that I played where it's all resource management and collecting and building, I lose interest very, very quickly. But obviously this game has a history and I'm very interested in that to see how I, how I like it, if it can <coughs> keep my interest. So far, like, I mean, only an hour in. But I'm more interested in playing another game that I just recently started this week too. But I'm gonna give it more time. I'm not I'm not totally sure, like I don't know. Alana, what do you think? You played it for an hour.
1: Yeah, so I played it on launch, was very impressed in it, uh it gives you like this really zen feel like on on launch. Um and that was after, even through the marketing cycle I was like, I think this game's gonna be bad, like I don't think it's going to be very good. Came out, I was Very happy for two hours while I was exploring and seeing these creatures. And then I got more into it and I was like, no, no, I'm good. This is kind of what I expected. I am very uninterested. And I haven't played since then. So then jumping into the <laughs> next update, uh, I landed on a planet that was pretty much fine. But I feel like I've been watching the cycle of the game so much that there's a lot of stuff that I'm really interested in having not played in that amount of time. Like there's stuff like I want to like be able to upgrade things and like explore these different planets that I've seen other people exploring. And the multiplayer aspect really does appeal to me as well. There's like things that I want to learn about that it doesn't necessarily well no it is very different to launch but it doesn't necessarily feel that different to what i remember it's just like when you're actually looking at patch notes you're like oh no this is actually a really dramatic difference so i'm i think i'm mostly intrigued i think i'm the same i'm mostly very very interested um the hour that i played earlier today was fine not incredible it was like it it feels good i knew what i was doing everything seems a lot more dense than it did on launch like it seems like literally planets have more on them than they did previously where sometimes you'd see a big open space and it was kind of dull so that definitely seems like an improvement but um i don't know how much i'm gonna play is the thing it's like
2: yeah the multiplayer works fine i mean it was very easy to join a game um at one point I mean, granted, like this just came on Xbox today and this, it did freeze and did crash, but like, that's, that happens. That's fine. Uh, It works fine. But like I said, it's more of the gameplay loop. You know, um, I explored two planets and I was like, this is fun, but you know, so like we said, only an hour in for me anyway. So I don't want to be too quick to make a judgment on this and say, if I'm going to love it, if I'm not going to like it, but, um, yeah, it's, it's fine. (laughs) That's what I would say. It's, Kind of what I expected And it's not Mm -hmm. something That I'm like Raging to get back And play right now
1: Yeah Feel pretty much the same But I am going to Go back and play it Like I do want to Play more of it So yeah
2: And I think it's It's great that Hello Games you know Did this And they put out All these improvements And patches And I'm sure If this is Your kind of game You're going to be Very very happy With all these new Shiny exciting things That you're seeing Yeah
0: cool hopefully Steimer is not going <laughs> to die over there get some tea or something she's been suffering from like a cough if you need to step away don't even uh, don't yeah. even worry about it but um, we are going to uh, take a quick break unless Alana you want to talk about inflection now I know that we're running a little over on the time that we discussed how are you feel it's cool like I
1: mean I, I, I can talk about it if you guys want or I can just tell people to go check out the demo because it's playable it's a game that's a lot like PT, and it's very spooky and uh, mostly made by one guy, which is really impressive. I think that Kickstarter wraps up by the end of day today, and the game's coming out on Halloween, but I totally recommend just checking out the demo for yourself. It's very pretty. It's very polished and very spooky.
2: And you have a Let's so Play the ta- on your YouTube channel.
1: Yeah, I just uploaded that this morning at like 3 a.m., because nice. what am I doing with my life? So yeah, that's. <laughs> the, but that's also like if you would prefer to play it, then do that, because my Let's Play is the entire demo. If you don't want to, then you can watch my Let's Play. But it's cool. Um,
0: so, just to read the description off of the website, because by the time the podcast and the YouTube video goes live, the Kickstarter will be the done. Kickstarter will be over. It reads, Infliction is an interactive nightmare, a horrific journey through the dark secrets of a fractured home. Unstuck in time, players wander through the heartbreaking remnants of a once happy family, piecing together clues and struggling to atone for past sins. All the while, a malevolent force follows close behind, seeking nothing but violent retribution. Oh, Infliction is currently in development and will be completed in October 2018.
1: <laughs> it seems like the from what I can glean that there's like some kind of relationship that went wrong with I don't know, like a couple of maybe moved in together and had a kid or something. And uh, there's a murder-suicide situation, so I think they're both dead. And I don't really know what like who you play. You just kind of wake up in this house where I was really impressed that everything looks very, very normal. It's like they took a regular kitchen but then made it spooky by just changing some things. Um, but there are kind of like two realms. So there's the regular house, which looks a lot like Silent Hill PT. But then there's this other part of the house that you can go to it's sort of like a spirit realm where like any writing is backwards. And I think that you probably have to find like small puzzles to get into that realm. And things are really different when you are in there. Um, and there's a ghost in both of them. And I think the goal is to kind of set the ghost off to peace or something by finding a bunch of items that I imagine that you're going to have works. to, yeah, you're going to have to that try, but I, I'm guessing you have to, swap between these realms where like there's a basement in the real world, but also a basement in the spirit world and they have different things in them and you interact with them differently. So you have to jump between these two things in order to vanquish ghost who seems like she can kill you. You don't have any weapons. Um, I think there is a just based on trailer footage, not from something that I saw actually in the demo. Um, like a male character as well as some kind of giant ax who I imagine is only in the ghost realm. I don't really know, but the story seems interesting enough for what it is. But it's also just cool to have uh, well, a longer game built out of the similar premise to P.T., which is, like, one of my favorite horror things ever. So, very cool.
2: Andrew's like, nope. That's great. No, thanks. I
0: don't want to play <laughs> and I'm no, good. like, yeah, no, like, there's, I mean, but you you guys know this about me. Not only do you three know, but, like, everyone listening and watching knows that I just don't do horror games. It's just not my thing. You getting me to play games for uh, Lights Off, our Facebook series, was, like, the most horror games I've played in my entire life. So, yeah, so same, um, But you played The Evil Within, that. too. Yeah. No, I almost finished that game. I never made it to the final that scene. That game's Spooky. Yeah, it is, but it's like it's enough. It's enough based in action. You get breaks. It's not yeah, it's not as like like atmospheric and spooky as a lot of other horror games are. Like when I played, um, what was the other one that you and I played, Brit? Fuck. It wasn't Five Nights at Freddy's. It was. Um,
2: so we did Slenderman. That was Samer and I. That was me. Evil yeah. Within. Layers of Fear with Simon and I. Oh, um, Outlast. Mm. Outlast,
0: outlast. That game.
1: Yeah, that's some spooky Mm-mm.
0: stuff. Yeah. yeah, dude. Like when you just have to run away. Like that's the game mechanic. Because oh like you can't fight them. You just gotta run. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. You have
3: to outlast them, guys. Oh, I get it.
0: Uh. <laughs> Can you leave again? Can you like go get more water?
2: Like. <laughs>
3: Can your lungs just fall out of your body? <laughs> oh, no, I feel bad. Oh, oh no. Oh, that sucks.
0: <laughs> well, we're going to take a short break then so you can get some tea. Uh, when we come back, I do want to talk a little bit about Ready Player One. Uh, since, Alana, I know you were at the premiere when it uh, premiered was. at, um, what was that? Um, oh, oh, my God. South by Southwest? Yes. Um, earlier in the year. And then of course we got some questions, some reader mail. So stick with us everybody. We will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's the third segment of the What's Good Games podcast with special guest, Ms. Alana Pierce. Hi. And I am glad that you're here because you got firsthand experience with the premiere of Ready Player One, the movie. And I read the book and just recently watched the movie, and I've been dying to talk to you guys about it because obviously there's a bazillion video game references in in that game. Or oh, excuse me, in that book and in the movie. Um, So I want to qualify this conversation with people that we are going to talk about some spoilers. So if you're worried about spoilers, you may want to jump ahead 10 minutes in, uh, in the podcast to get to some of the Q&A reader mail. Um, so I guess this has been your warning that there will be both book and movie spoilers in this conversation to follow. I was actually um, going to
2: watch the movie tonight.
0: Oh well, damn that's, it, Brittany! No,
2: it's all good. I I don't care, honestly. If I wanted to see this movie earlier, I would have. Like, it's fine. You can spoil it.
0: Are you sure? Now Abs- I feel like an asshole. No, no, no. I'm. I mean, you're not.
2: No, no. You're. You're not an asshole. Like Steimer said. <laughs> <laughs> and no, please do, because like I said, I it's not a something I prioritize. I don't care. This isn't like The Ring Three or something.
0: That I care about. I love that. That's what you said. That that yeah, was yeah, well. no, your like, go-to. All, this right, is your right, all right. All right. Go yeah. <laughs> Um does anybody else have issues with spoilers before we go on? No. Okay. I cool. have not seen the movie but I do not care because
3: I read the book and did not like it.
0: So, I'm I'm interested because I did not think the writing in the book was very good, but I liked the content. I thought that the conceit was good and I thought the riddles were well done and i liked all of the really obscure 80s references that as a child of the 80s i was just like half the references i this went right over my head i didn't even understand them i was like why aren't we just always talking about dirty dancing what happened (laughs) um i totally
1: agree like i haven't read the book i think it is poorly written it's like here's a sentence i returned to school on monday morning that's not that's not how you write a book you should make it slightly more exciting about that. Like, don't, you know, don't just write those <laughs> sentences. And I think some of it's really cheesy. And I know a lot of people lot really of- love the book. But, like, I returned to the temple and placed the guitar on the altar. Like, give okay, me some emotion, that's, man.
2: That's literally the line I just flipped to in my book. And I just set it down. That's crazy.
3: That's weird. That's weird. You guys are connected the by book? the Ready Player One universe.
2: No, I ha- I've had the book. I've had this book for many years. It's the same. Same. It's the kind of book that I'm like, I want to read it because people in the industry talk about it. And it's the kind of book I would put in my bathroom. So I'm like, if I have to be in here a hot minute, I will start to read it. And it just, I read a few pages <laughs> of it. And I'm like, you know what? My, I'm good. Twitter's, my Twitter feed is more interesting.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> a lot of people do really love it, though. And yeah, I feel it like Burns. I, yeah. Some of the premise is interesting to me, like the way. Like if they' you know, hunting this guy who's died and like trying to figure out all this, these puzzle pieces and putting it all together and like having to know these characters to be able to do it. And a lot of people say that the best part of the book is watching them figure out the puzzles kind of in real time, which is supposed to be really interesting, which I don't really feel like happens in the movie very much. It's just kind of like, yeah, and, and then we did it. That
0: was my biggest problem with the movie was that they really completely changed all three of the puzzles. So the premise for people who aren't familiar with Ready Player One is that we're in like the near future, like 20, 30 years from today, where there has been uh, this man who is like a Steve Jobs-esque figure who has created this uh, virtual reality MMO called the Oasis and inside the Oasis you can do anything and be whoever and visit all these different worlds and you know the VR tech of the near future is so good that it's incredibly immersive and that everybody feels like they're there that to me was a little bit of a, a stretch when you watch the movie looking at the kinds of VR rigs that they have mm. I was like listen I've had plenty of different types of VR headsets on my person over the last 4 years. I've never been so immersed that I felt like I could like lose days at a time inside VR. Okay, I actually totally I, have.
1: Yeah, I definitely have. have. <laughs> like I had to review a VR game, Chronos, which is actually my favorite VR oh, game, yeah. and it's like 8 hours long. Might even be longer than that. Um But I think the point is that I I thought that I'd been playing for, like, an hour, and I'd actually been playing for, like, five. It was like a casino. I was like, oh, because I have no sense of light outside, I just completely lost track of time, and I think I missed a meeting because I was just stuck playing this game to review that I was like, oh, boy, it's dark now. Like, it was not good. (laughs) But I think that that varies depending on the person, but you're right in, like, some of the stuff that happens, like the action sequences that happen when they're in... The VR that they just don't notice going on is like, oh, all right. Okay. Like, you, you would have heard that, like, maybe a little bit. It doesn't really yeah, work like that like the way.
0: gunfire or the explosions or things like yeah. that. Yeah. Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. And I think I, a lot of my VR experience has to do with the fact that I have a pretty small head. And so <laughs> I can't comfortably wear most of these headsets without making them on the tightest possible hmm. setting. And because of that, it really, like, clamps down on my face and becomes uncomfortable after about 20 minutes. Um, the, I I'm not giving you that one. I'm not giving you a, that's What she said? It's tight
2: on your face and it clamps down for twenty. I don't know. I just heard words. I heard my buzzwords in there. Like that counts. You're like reaction. You just
0: heard my face, and then you're like, "That's what she said." Um. So the the thing is, it, so let me continue with the just kind of like summarizing what what the uh, premise of the book is. So this guy that creates this oasis that billions of people worldwide are using um dies and he's got this vast fortune and his company Gregarious Systems Simulations. Um and he in his will he decides to leave it all to somebody who finds his Easter egg, of course. Easter egg. It's like Willy Kong. Wonka, but with virtual reality. Exactly. Um and but you have to go on this quest to find the Easter egg. And so there are these people all across the world who are egg hunters or gunters for short, and they're all in search of Halliday's Easter egg. That's the name of the guy. And in the book, um, like, and in the movie too, for like the first five years of this hunt, nobody has found it. It's like, they've all decided he's buried it too deep, but there's a small sub, a subsection of these gunters that are still desperately trying to find the egg because it's worth billions and billions of dollars, half a trillion dollars. I think they said in, Mm um, In the movie, and of course, you get control of the oasis and gregarious systems. So, clearly, a lot's at stake. And the thing about Halliday is that he is a giant fan for 80s memorabilia and 80s references. And so, all of the Gunters are studying everything from the 80s. Like, they make a big whoop de doo in the book about um, Parzival, the uh, lead character watching these sitcoms over and over again and watching movies over and over again. And I was like, man, I can't imagine living an existence that's so bleak that I need to, like, put on a virtual reality headset and watch, uh like, the facts of life on repeat for, like, hours at a time. Wait, he's that's watching like show, the TV yeah. shows
1: inside of VR?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. In the do Oasis. everything inside the VR. Wow. Huh. Because there's nothing outside. Like, outside is... There's no space. Legit garbage. And so the stacks that you see in the movie... I know I've seen that in the preview. Um, So it's like trailer homes on top of trailer homes. Like, that's the shit you're living in. And you go to
0: school in VR... Yeah, because the idea is that the real world has now become neglected because so many people are inside the oasis that the outside world just kind of like falls to ruin because there's oh. not people there to clean it up or I there to was a, clear away debris. is there a reason to, for it? It would make like more sense to me if it was
1: like poverty, population got out of hand, like nobody could afford anything. Like I would buy that more than that's, like, no, they all just like a video game. Okay.
0: That is well, that's, part of that's definitely it, right? yeah. part of it because like as we are experiencing in real life, the gap between like the one percent and the ninety nine percent is growing bigger and bigger every year. And imagine twenty years from today, just how terrible it's going to be. Mm. Like I hope this isn't like what our reality is going to become, where like the vast majority of the planet's populations are in like abject poverty, yeah. while like super rich. Are like on in their ivory tower somewhere, but that's absolutely part of the a part of the storyline. So that's kind of like the overview of what um, Ready Player One is all about. And so we follow the story of this guy who is on the hunt for this uh, this treasure, and he's and- like Joe Schmo, nope, yeah. like you know, like he's like reg- regular Dave kind of a thing. <laughs> um,
3: and then ran like it was just really bizarre to be how. He changes throughout the book physically. So oh, does he get he hot? He starts off being Yes. <laughs> he so does he starts hot, off yeah. being overweight, like more of like what you think of stereotypical gamer, overweight guy sitting in like a very sedentary sort of lifestyle. And then I, I think it's like two thirds of the way through the book, maybe like halfway through the book, um when these the uh other gunters are chasing him, like the evil corporation with all of the gunters. The Sixers. Yeah. Whatever the fuck. Yeah, Sixers, yeah. Sixers. Sixers. Yeah. Um, when they're coming after him, and he's like locked himself in this hidey hole in this apartment again like in a different, a different city, he he like starts working out in the virtual reality system, and like he won't allow himself like he's timed the, or locked himself um, so that he has to complete a certain amount of exercise before he's able to go back into the world and like hunt for this egg. I just thought it was really weird. It was like yeah. a, it was like a Rocky trading montage. It was just like I got hot all of a sudden. And you're like, what? Why? Well,
0: it was interesting because the reason, like, the catalyst for that is... He is getting gaining so much weight from ordering, taking food. Like, he hasn't left his apartment in months. All of his food is delivered through this, like, vault door system. So he's eating all of this takeaway food, which is clearly not prepared and healthy for him. And he's like, sitting in a chair multiple hours all day long. And so he starts to gain weight. And so he starts to not be able to fit into his, like, really fancy, expensive haptic suit. Which is like oh. uh, this wow. whole body s- suit That'll that he do. wears that like has like all those pressure sensors and everything that we were talking about when we were talking about VR porn. <laughs> um, and um, and so that was kind of his catalyst. And so that's why he started to. But it was, I thought the really interesting part was when he showers every day after his workout, he has almost like a nair in his shower that like removes all of the hair from his body. So he has no hair in his head on his face or anywhere. So that way he has like a, his skin connects to the haptic suit directly and none of the hair is interfering. Huh. So I just imagine. Does that he means kid, he like doesn't have eyebrows. Yeah. Like no yeah. eyebrows, nothing terrifying. Kay. I thought that People they were going to show that weird. in the movie oh. and then they didn't. And that was just, it's probably
1: too weird. I guess like he had to be attractive because it's a movie like it's got, he's got to be hot the whole time. Sorry. He's got to be hot, but it's interesting. Like that as a premise, the idea that if everyone was having their social interactions in VR at a certain point, you kind of would just sort of take out food and stop looking after yourself. Yeah. You would just be like, well, but I live in this world. I don't live like my body's here, but that's where I live. Like you, you'd treat yourself totally differently.
3: Yeah, I do think there'd be more. It would be like Wally. Where yeah, one's just really obese, because yeah, to your point, like in the virtual world, you could just make yourself look however you want.
2: Now, how do you think your opinion would vary, if at all, if you were not in the video game industry, about the book and the film?
3: I think so. What's, what's weird to me about the book is that so a friend recommended it to me, and normally we are very on par with like our tastes on books. And so I really trusted her, and she she was like, "I love this book." Is she in the it's industry? It's amazing. Yes. Okay. And and her husband was also like, "I love this book. It's amazing." I'm like, "Great." I borrow this book. I take it home. I read it, and I'm like, "This is hot garbage." Do they read a lot? Uh, she does. Okay. He not so much. My but, my um,
1: actual question would be, like, do they know like tons about video games, and have they worked in the games industry? My my thing is, I think people who are fans of the book of people who don't have the benefits that we generally get of like talking about video games to people all the time so much that it becomes normal. So when they read the book, they're like, Oh, this is like, I, I found a thing that's like discussing the thing that I like all the time. that I think we can sometimes take for granted working in the industry.
3: Mm, maybe. Yeah. I think, I think it was more for them. The thing, the thing that like, they were like, this is amazing is that it did hit all those nostalgia points for mm. them. Cause the book is just chock full of references. Like, I think if you took out all of the references in this book, there would not be very much left <laughs> there. Cause I do think the premise is interesting. Like, I I don't mind the treasure hunt. I think that's cool. Down with that. I just think the writing is not great. And I also think the character development is not great. Um, there were several there
1: was- robots I didn't recognize, but most were familiar. I spotted Giganto, Tran. Trans Z the Iron Giant, Jet Jaguar, and the Sphinx had a giant Robo from the Johnny Soka and his flying robot, the entire Shogun Warriors line, and many of the mechs featured in the Macross and Gundam anime series. It's just like you just listed things.
3: That's kind <laughs> this of is what, list. that's kind of how I felt a lot of the times in the book was like, you're just say you're just listing <laughs> shit. You're just describing things from the 80s like I don't know just really
0: <laughs> and, they, and then he describes them multiple times he takes the same passages and essentially regurgitates it like a couple pages later if not a couple chapters later and I'm like you don't need to do that I remember that I read that like a chapter ago you don't need <laughs> to like tell me again like it's one thing if you're going from book to book in a series and the author like maybe recaps a major plot point from the first book in case he's getting a reader who didn't read the first book entirely but like if I just read that literally like 10 pages ago, you don't need to tell me it again. Like I'm I'm good. I'm smart enough to figure that out <laughs> on my own. Uh, I, I think the the biggest gripe that I have in addition to like the poor uh, writing skill overall is, is that none of the major plot points in the book really match what happens in the movie. And that to me was a very kind of a bummer because I was really excited to, to see how they were going to play out on the big screen. I mean, they've downplayed characters. Now, I've read some articles that really appreciate that they took, like, the female lead character, this girl named Artemis, and gave her a bigger role in the film. But they completely changed the dynamic between Parzival and Artemis, where he really has this amazing buildup to kind of, like having a crush on her from afar as somebody who like blogs and writes things. And he followed her work and then meets her in the Oasis, like during the course of the hunt. And then like they slowly develop a relationship because they've both been gunters for so long that they've submersed themselves in like this eighties culture. And so they have a lot of these similar interests, like talking about movies and games and things that they like and trading stories about high scores and whatnot. And they really like, he does a good job of developing that relationship over the course of the whole book. And the movie just cuts all of that buildup out. And it's like, Oh, he saw a hot girl at a race at the start of the movie. And now they're instantly in love. Yeah. He makes a joke.
1: That's like, Oh my God, I've seen like all of your Twitch streams. And then I think that's it. What? Yeah. I think he literally says that. Yeah. Oh God.
0: And then he falls in love with her. And the biggest gripe I have about the movie version of Artemis is that she, first off, doesn't look anything like the description that they give of her in the book. And most importantly, she's described as being Rubenesque and full-figured and an unconventional pretty in the book compared to her casting in the movie, which is a very stereotypical Hollywood choice, uh, an actress that looks like a virtually like any other leading lady in Hollywood. It's like. so funny
1: because she's obviously beautiful, but then she has this birthmark and she's like, I don't want right. you to see me. And then she's just like, she's gorgeous. It's yeah. <laughs> just like, shut up, shut up.
0: Like. Yeah. And that's the thing that is like kind of a center stone for Artemis's character in the book is that she has this avatar that she's created without this birthmark, which covers half of her face in the book and covers just her eye yeah. in the movie and part of her forehead. And so she's lived with this, like, what she deems a deformity. And so she's really created this avatar in the oasis to hide herself away from having to interact with people. And they don't give mm. you any of that. Like, like you said, Alana, like she's very clearly a beautiful person in the real world. And, um, obviously that's the way that Parzival sees her in the book as well. But like that, that insecurity is unearned mm. in the book. Yeah. Or excuse me, in the, in the movie. movie. And it's just like, it's just so silly yeah they just kind of have
1: a crush on each other out of nowhere and that relationship's really weird i think but having not read the book i intentionally didn't read it before seeing the movie because i was reviewing it and i didn't want to be skewed by any prior knowledge then i was going to read the book and then re-review it but we didn't end up having the resources for that but the idea basically being like i i didn't want to look at it as a like thing of here's what you did wrong so going into the movie for me I had really low expectations. Um, people kept making memes out of it. Like, so many people I know don't like uh, Ready Player One. So I had really, really low expectations. And then I saw it and was like, this is fine. It is occasionally actually legitimately very funny. There are moments where, like, they actually nail a lot of physical comedy. It was like you cut to seeing people in the real world well, like a bomb is exploding and everyone's like reacting and it looks so stupid because they're all in tandem reacting to something that's happened. So there's a lot of moments that are really funny, some lines that are actually really funny, um, like very impressive CG action sequences. But it was just like a kind of dumb popcorn flick with no character development and a plot that I felt was just like both incredibly obvious and didn't have any depth at all. Like it wasn't rewarding to watch. It was just like if you want to see something on an afternoon... Fine, like you'll have a, f- a fine time
0: if it's rolling on HBO when you're sitting on your yeah. couch in an afternoon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, now that, that my
2: expectations go. have been driven through the ceiling, I'm gonna <laughs> pour myself a nice glass of whiskey tonight and watch this.
0: You should. There, like the 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 one massive battle scene, um, I won't spoil for you, is really well done in in CG. I feel like they kind of threw too many '90s. Video game characters and even video game characters from like the 2000s, 2000s and, and yeah. 2010s in for me, for my personal taste since the book is so rooted in 80s lore, but it was really cool seeing recognizable characters that we know and that we talk about on our show kind of like showing up in like this virtual world during this massive battle. Oh. Um, that was, that scene was probably my favorite of the, of the entire so movie. So my favorite
1: just, is the one that's based on the movie that I won't spoil for you, Britt, cause it's the coolest thing ever. There's, like, that one entire thing that's based on a horror movie. If you know what I'm referring to,
0: Andrew? Oh, 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 Like, just yes. that whole
1: thing. I was like, how did they do this? And it's, like, really, really cool. And I, I wasn't mean. expecting to get that feeling going into it of... It happens to me sometimes if I see, like you know a video game poster on the side of a bus it's like oh my thing in the real world yay and i get this like weird a little bit of pride sometimes it was that same thing it's like seeing this movie i didn't expect to get any of that but i'd sometimes be like oh cool it's like there's a lancer from gears of war in there that's great it's just like you do feel kind of happy like just seeing these references all put in together and i can't imagine how the creators in the video game industry feel about seeing their properties in a movie directed by spielberg as well like that must feel so, so awesome for, for everyone who actually managed to make it into the movie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a very good point to bring up. And I'm not trying to diminish the movie. Like, listen, it's not a bad movie. I just wanted it to be better than it was. Yeah. And I think like whenever you see that Spielberg is attached to a project, like the, the expectation is higher than it would be normally. Cause he usually doesn't make things that are less than excellent. Um, but um, yeah, so Brit, it, there's a uh, there's a conceit in the book where one of the games in the Oasis allows you to play through um, movies. So essentially like you take on the role of a character like War Games is one of the movies in the book that they play through. And I think they do uh, Monty Python and a variety of other movies that are referenced like 80s movies that like you in the simulation, like you take on the, a role and like you have to say the lines by memory in order to get points. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah.
2: I like this. So this the, is kind of turned into a little, like, third segment spoiler cast, and I'm
0: digging
2: it. <laughs> I'm really... Yeah, yeah I it did.
3: Yeah. I'm curious to see... Um, did you guys... Because I obviously didn't watch the movie. Was the payoff of, like, finding out the twist of the best friend, like, interesting at all? Or was it meh? Not really. The payoff
0: for me in the book was awesome. <clears throat> I thought they did a really great job of that because... They didn't hint to it at all. I don't think they did a good enough job with the disguise in the movie. But that maybe that's because I went in knowing what it was. Yeah, it's hard when you. Read I it
1: definitely out. didn't guess that that would be a thing. But I also wasn't satisfied by that revelation. I was just like, oh, okay, like you made that the butt of a joke. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. So it was yeah, the
0: the build up and the payoff in the book is way better than it was in in the movie for mm-hmm. sure. So, okay, just
2: to like revisit my last question, is this do you think you would have enjoyed it more if you weren't in the industry or do you think it's just kind of bad writing, bad story, bad narrative? Like what
0: about it wasn't
2: like does that make sense? Yeah, you I mean, think I would have enjoyed
0: it I think I would have enjoyed it far less if I wasn't in video games. Like mm. if I didn't if I didn't get all of those references, um i think it wouldn't have been nearly as entertaining yeah. um for me so i think it's i think it's better if so if you do you know love video games hopefully if you're listening to this podcast you do <laughs> um <laughs> that i think it's i think the book is worth your time i think the movie is like i wouldn't pay money to see it
3: <laughs> okay you, but stemmer? that's why i would argue like at this point granted i haven't seen the movie you could probably find the movie somewhere much cheaper well, right. Uh, it comes to like Netflix pers- like, you know, I don't, yeah, yeah, see, I don't know. What I it's it's going to
0: probably be another couple of months before it comes to those streaming services right now. It's only available for digital purchase. Um, but yeah, if you can rent it or if you can wait, be patient and wait for it to come, like Simon said to Netflix, I whatever. will wait for Netflix, yeah. but I
3: don't know the book, the book's like, it's a quick read. The, 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 I was about to say the, the good news is it's fast. It's a fast read. You're not going to be like slogging through it forever. Um, but I did think like it was just kind of a bummer to me because I'm like there are interesting concepts here, but I think you just bloated it with like trying to fap a little bit too much to the 80s.
0: <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah, fap into the 80s.
3: <laughs> it happens.
0: I, I
2: like it. I don't this know. Should be the name of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. this no. segment. <laughs> Yeah, the segment. I think it should just be the Ready Player One spoiler cast. Because, like, that was a really good conversation.
0: It was. And it wasn't, like, a true spoiler cast. Because right. there was a lot of things that we didn't uh, delve into uh, as far as, like, major major plot points. Like, But um, it was good. Yeah, it seems it like the book enough. has,
1: like, way more serious stuff a lot of the time. Like, yeah, actual, like, messed up stuff happens. Whereas, like, nothing, just no depth to the movie really at all.
0: Well, there's one of the major characters that dies in the book right. that doesn't die in the movie, Yeah. Um, it, which is kind of weird. Um, and the casting um, um, of two of those characters, I was kind of like, hmm. I don't know. That's what, I mean, obviously that's the hard part about reading the book first is that you then come up with these ideas in your mind about how they're going to look. And then they don't really match your perception. And so it's kind of a bummer. But the villain Sorrento, the leader of the Sixers, the, the IOI army. Um, I thought that they cast him really well and that he seemed pretty evil. I think he felt even almost a little bit more evil. Uh, in the movie but they, they kind of feel like they walked him up to that line and then they walked him back from that line like at the end like mm. there was that one scene where he's like in a crowd and I was like why why isn't everybody attacking you right now yeah you very clearly out like identified yourself as like the bad guy I feel like it
1: was very PG like it was a very I don't know in every way just a friendly movie generally I think they probably focused on making it applicable to younger
0: audiences.
2: Was it successful? That's Maybe? Did it do well? I um, imagine so. Actually, let me,
0: let me look. Box Office Mojo. Ready? Player one. Let's take a gander, shall we? <laughs> okay. To- domestic total gross, $137 million. So that's good. Yeah. But it's not outstanding. Yeah. Um, It says, so plus foreign uh, was 445. So the total worldwide gross, 582 million. That's pretty good. So the overseas market really helped this movie. Um, It was ranked number one on its opening weekend. Um, It doesn't say what its budget was, though. This is when we sing and do the music. Wow, oh, it's okay. It's ranked all-time domestic as rank four hundred and three. So there are four hundred and two movies that have outperformed it in its lifetime. Oh, well, there you go. How All many right. movies have been created? Is that good or bad? Um, you know that's a great question. Worth noting, the budget for Ready Player One was one hundred and seventy-five million, which oh, is wild. Damn. <laughs> Fuck. Well, you know, those graphics, those special effects. Yeah, so that's CG. Has, like, 75% of the it, movies in CG. I,
3: I just Googled, like, Artemis on, and I'm like, it's, they made her avatar so weird. Like, that's not at all what I thought. I think she all would the
1: avatars up. look really odd, honestly.
0: Yeah. I'm perplexed. Yeah, I don't like how they made her eyes so big. Yeah. They made her look freaky. Yeah. I didn't like Like, there's it. a
3: a robot girl movie coming out and her eyes are like that. Like she like fights people. Is that what you mean of? Yeah. That's what she looks like because the eyes are like doll-like slash weird Disney princess in real life. True.
1: I'm trying to
2: find her like official
3: description on just like on fandom right now.
2: If you find the
3: fan art, it's so different.
2: It's a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes.
3: That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good, right? I think I gave it a
1: 7, which is, like, rating for, like...
0: Yeah. It film. It film. It good. (laughs) It's a film. It good enough. So I know that we told you guys at the top of this segment that we would be doing some questions, but we have run out of time, unfortunately. But hopefully you've enjoyed this chat that we've had about Ready Player One. (laughs) Um, I would recommend... um, Going um, to get the book if this has intrigued you at all, or if you're a giant fan of the '80s, there are some deep cuts <laughs> references in you the book. You can
3: read a bunch of lists of things that happened Woo-hoo. in the '80s.
0: <laughs> That's very true, and uh, you can try to maybe solve the puzzles along the way because they really give you a lot of time to kind of work it out on your own if you really want to. But
3: man, I would have been too. I would have not gotten any of those puzzles. I would have been the world's worst gunter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so obscure. I'm just terrible at pen riddles, though. But if you want a riddle from Steimer, we have this fantastic tier on Patreon, patreon.com slash what's good games, where we handwrite notes on postcards. And Steimer's been doing riddles on her postcards. I have indeed. Riddle me this.
3: How much? No, 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 I no, I really, I was no, really no, excited. I was like, no, all no, right, on like, board. No. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> Shit. I don't have a panel.
2: <laughs> Damn it, Samer.
0: <laughs> We're all set and ready for it. We promise we about. will bring you guys a riddle on next week's show. It's <laughs> going to be great. Um, don't forget, uh, we are going to be in Austin at RTX, rtxaustin.com if you still want to get tickets. Uh, our panel is on Saturday afternoon. Our autograph signing is on Sunday morning. Uh, my birthday happy hour, happy hour meet and greet is going to be on Friday. Exact details are going to be coming to you very soon in the next couple of days. Uh, we hope to see you guys there. Um, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Podcast Services. It helps us out a lot. And once more, thank you to our sponsors, Quip and Bespoke Post, for supporting us here at what's good games of course you can find all of those details down below and support our wonderful guests the Alana Pierce. where can they find you streaming again i am on all of the social medias at charlana's
1: which is just my name in the middle of the word charizard i started streaming on youtube and on mixer i don't have a schedule because I do, i'm very busy it's very hard to do that but yeah i've been uploading like loads of gaming content and hopefully streaming a couple of times a week so yeah you check it out
0: and we will have her links down below in case you're driving in your car and you're like, Charlana what? <laughs> Sharlana, I love what she said there. Um, uh, thank you so much to everybody for listening and watching. We hope you have a fantastic weekend, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.